What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Life in Commune for all of you listeners out there on Spotify and Apple. Uh, thank you so much for checking us out and make sure to come practice with us, www.communeyogastudio.com. We have three new classes for you every single day, uh, ranging in different styles of yoga, different lengths of class, as well as monthly practice paths. You can try it for free for your first week, and we'd love to have you as part of our crew. Now, let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome to Life in Commune. Today, just in case you're only listening, we have a random cast of characters, as usual, headlined by... Carling. Kim. CJ. And PB. All right, Carling, what is the warm-up question of the day? Okay, warm-up question of the day. Usually we pick a warm-up question that's like a little bit more arbitrary, but we're actually going to use a warm-up question from one of the students who is considering moving to Seattle after they graduate. So they asked... What is your most favorite and your, let's call it, least favorite thing about living in Seattle? I think you're the longest Seattle resident. I feel like you should go first. I feel like we should go I in. I am the longest Seattle I feel like we should resident. go in the, yeah, descending order. So you, you're, you're definitely last, but I think it's got to go <laughs> <You're> you. <laughs> I am definitely last. You are definitely we, we, last. We all are 20 plus seasons besides you. You're only, you're only five. You're pretty much a five? rookie. I'm yeah. about five. Yeah. yeah. Five, yeah. Uh, I am definitely the longest Seattle resident. So my... Should I start with least favorite or favorite? You, you tell half me. Half full or half empty. That's what I'm <laughs> like, I was just thinking, what kind of person do I want to portray myself as in this moment? Um, well, my favorite thing about Seattle, honestly, is you know those days where it's like perfectly clear and you drive across a bridge, honestly, like any bridge, and you see all the mountains? Like those little things are probably my favorite. I think also because growing up, I just, maybe I noticed it, maybe I don't remember noticing it, maybe you're just a kid and you don't pay attention, but after, especially after living in LA, and then every that's, time, that's what I was going to say, after, every after living time in LA, we would come home, we'd land, and we'd drive in from the airport, and I was like, wow, it's really pretty here, I don't think I noticed it before, and so now I try to pay attention to it all the time, like those days when the mountains are out, and it's just like kind of magical, now I try to pay attention to that, well, so I LA think that's my so, LA is so brown. It's very brown. And even when we first moved to LA, I was like, ooh, palm trees. Oh, it's really cool here. It's deserty. And then after a little while, I was like, it's a little deserty and dusty. <laughs> a little dirty. <laughs> LA, LA. A little smoggy, a little smoggy. LA has a good vibe in of itself. It has plenty of good vibes, but clean air is not one of them. <laughs> that, and I, every time we land, you get off the plane and you walk outside, and it's like, like it smells fresh. It smells like rain and nature. And I think that even as someone who doesn't really hike or do that many naturey things anymore, I think that I notice every time we come, every time I'm here, come back here. My favorite my thing about landing in LA was that Uber line that started in baggage claim <laughs> and then it just like meandered out to the street. If you're and there watching, were different you probably zones. saw my face just like going to the, the <laughs> PTSD the moment, like not to minimize, but yeah, <laughs> that Uber line was bad. It was yeah. really bad. Um, yeah, that's my favorite thing. Is and if you weren't there, if you like didn't find your way to the curbside right when the person they just was left. there, they would just leave. They would just leave. And then you'd have to get back at the end of the Uber line and it's hope again. And the phone service didn't work there either. And the Wi-Fi so was be, bad because yeah. it's LAX. And so you wouldn't even know if you got connected to a driver or not. And then you'd be getting a text from some dude that, that would be like, hey, where are you? Honestly, um, it was more anxiety-inducing than the entire flight home from anywhere you went. It was yeah. just the thought of how to get from the airport back to your house. <laughs> very stressful yeah I don't miss that at all but I, I that's my I will say on the opposite end of the spectrum but similar to LA that my least favorite thing about Seattle is how bad the traffic is sometimes 
Yeah, yeah, like, I, I would say that, and uh, well, I don't know. It's not my turn yet. It's so. not your turn yeah. yet. It's, it's the traffic bad. is real. The traffic is bad. The traffic here going east to west. This is such a like local thing that if you're from Seattle, you're like it is bad local, and if you're not, you're like I don't know what that means. But going east to west, trying to across state, there's no freeways or any real arterials that run east to west. So if you want to go side to side, you're just stuck in a plethora of lights and. The city is also pretty, so on that same day where the mountain's out, it's beautiful. Traffic is terrible because everyone's staring at the mountain. They're like, wow, the water's beautiful today. And then everyone's going 40 miles an hour. So it's it's both beautiful and aggravating. <laughs> You're up next, Kim. Well, we've been here the same amount of time. <coughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I'll do my favorite. All right, go for it. My favorite um, thing about Seattle is September. Yeah. Uh, September here is an amazing thing. It is beautiful, clear, blue. Um, it's gorgeous mm -hmm. and just amazing. And again, the mountains. I always love. You can tell people are from Seattle when they say, "Oh, the mountains out today." Yeah, and meeting I think I just, I just said that. Yeah. And you know all of that. And my least favorite thing about Seattle is February. <laughs> Ironically, where we, where we are right, are right now. now. Where we are right now. February is very, very gray. And in the old times in the world, this is when you would book a trip. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah this like, is a great time to get um, just not, you don't even need hot, super hot. You just need clear blue skies. Yes. Just a shift. Yeah. A shift. Yeah. Yeah. To get you through. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So just to remind, just to remind you that you know, <laughs> kind of July, August, September here are really nice. Yeah, I think that's why schools here, maybe schools everywhere, but that midwinter break in the it was invented of here. That was it invented here. I it think was invented here by a invented. school superintendent in Bellevue. Really? That was really into skiing. So that's what I was thinking. I it's, swear to you, this is actually a is fact. This a true story. <laughs> I wish I had my laptop to, yeah. to double check. Yeah, check. Yeah. Um, but I believe that because in February, it's like if you like to ski, which most people here have at least at some point in their life, I have most not. people here <laughs> at some point in their life have skied or snowboarded. It's the perfect time because you're like, it's going to be cold. It's going to be shitty, crappy, but it might be dumping in the mountains. So let's take a week off and, yeah. and go. Uh, but because in February, I mean, if you're not going skiing or snowboarding, you're kind of just like waiting for it to end. And the winter is long. I mean, that's where, when, yes. if you can take that break in February, it kind of breaks, yeah. again, breaks it up. Breaks it up. Mm -hmm. True. Okay, what's yours, Phoebe? Um, my favorite thing about Seattle is, this is such a tough question because uh, I think Seattle means so many different things to me, but I would say, like, the people. Mm -hmm. um, and... Just because so many of my close relationships with people are all here. Oh, not like the people of Seattle. No, like no, just like, yeah, like the people that, <laughs> that I've spent a lot of time with, yeah. you know, throughout the course of my life are mm -hmm. all here. And um, even though I don't see some of them as much anymore, like I, it's, there's a value of uh, familiarity with mm -hmm. the place. Uh, and sometimes that familiarity is probably frustrating. I think that's probably my least favorite thing about Seattle is my overall familiarity with it. So... I know the good and the bad of every single area because we've lived in all of them. Yes. And so I can just be like, oh. There's a connotation like, with there, everything. Yes, when you're exactly. From somewhere. There's like, it's it's kind of like what CJ was making a joke about with, like, oh, do I want to say my positive or negative thing first? Like, I know the positive and negative of like every single neighborhood <laughs> in Seattle. And there's lots of positives in all of them. And there's also lots of just like little rubs or like little yeah. things that are all of a sudden, like, you, you first move there and it's like not a big deal. And then, you know, a year in, you're like, oh my gosh, if I I have to if they have yeah. to deal with this thing one more time. I just don't know if I can. Um, but 
I think that would be, you know, those would kind of be my things. Like, yeah. I love the music scene here. I love the opportunity to, there, you have such easy access to so many things. Like, mm -hmm. you have relatively easy access to the water. You have relatively easy access to the mountains. You have a city with, you know, especially when, you know, life is open, a pretty a pretty active lifestyle mm -hmm. involved in the city. And I think that's really cool um, because while other cities have a real energy to them, like, um, you know, like a New York or a Tokyo or a London or a Barcelona, uh, you, you, the accessibility of things, I don't think is, uh, the, the variety of accessibility isn't mm -hmm. the same. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what's really cool about Seattle. I'm the least, but... <coughs> but, the most. but the yeah. most. Yeah. Um, I will say, I'll try to keep it um, short in my descriptions. I like the sunlight in the summertime. It seems like oh, it's how light the, sun the late, late. The sun is like from 5 a.m. to about 10 p.m. Mm -hmm. uh, the three summer months or three or four really good summer <laughs> months. Uh, the music scene is pretty vibrant and vast, and it makes the not-so-favorite months of February and uh, January, February, March, they're my least favorite, too. There's just nothing good about them. Uh, <laughs> That's it. That was in Oklahoma, too. They were my least favorite there, too. <laughs> like, in so, general. So I've lived Usually in we do have good music in... Uh, in the fall and winter here, though. Yeah. Yeah. So the Which winter, nice. and that's what I was about to say, the, win uh, the, the music scene, there is something to do all the time. If you mm -hmm. want to go to a show, even if it's crappy weather outside, you can. I also really enjoy that everything is pretty compact compared mm -hmm. to Oklahoma City to where I don't have to have I don't have to have a car. Yeah. I, you can do a lot of different things, especially when uh, it opens up and uh, Uber's more safe. You can be able to do a lot of different other things. I would say so I've outside of that, it's great. And then I'd say least favorite is Traffic. I don't think people are great drivers out here. <coughs> um, <laughs> Throw a little snow on the road. It really gets exciting. Yeah. Uh, I would say the it does get dark during the, the winter months. Oh, it gets just, dark. It just gets dark, and that's not even necessarily bad, but it'd be just good if truth. I was – It's truth. It'd be better if I was hibernating. Yeah, your day kind of ends around 5. You're like, well, it's dark. I if guess you, I'll have dinner and go to bed. If you're cool with Speak for yourself, home. dude. I am speaking for myself. Once it's 5 yeah. to 7 in the winter, I'm like, well, it's 7. I guess I'll watch a show. If that's your vibe, then you're, then you're definitely for it. And then I would say um, – mm, other than that, other than kind of like the little traffic and stuff and the, and the driving – um, and sometimes the passive-aggressive nature of residents here, it's all right. <laughs> I think that's probably accurate. There's a decently passive-aggressive <laughs> nature every, of residents that's here. That's everywhere, though. Yeah. Um, but other than that, other than, like, kind of the normal stuff, it's mostly just weather. Because, like you were talking about, too, it is a very active city. So even in these winter, cold, dark mm -hmm. months, it's not that cold. Mm -hmm. So you can go outside, and you can yes. still bike and be mm -hmm. active, mm -hmm. even if it's raining, and it's, like – super dark at night and it's coming down somewhat hard it's not that hard and it's not that cold no, it's pretty mild like overall cj had mm. um shorts on coming into the studio i did i ran with Today. shorts ran no shorts. the other day shorts. the other day I, just going okay but letting those long legs glisten <laughs> i am when the sun it doesn't matter if the sun's out i'm wearing shorts and <laughs> yeah. no shirt probably. i don't care what temperature i'm trying is. to get those vibe that this vitamin d as much as i can yeah. get those free rays you gotta catch them yeah like you're like your body's like a little vacuum <laughs> right all right next question okay questions okay, hopping so, into it uh 
question today, I think this is an interesting question that we haven't actually talked at all about yet is, do you ever practice other lineages of yoga? Because we talk a lot about awakening yoga, obviously, because we're also oftentimes talking about things that are happening in teacher training or practice paths, which tend to break things down a little bit more. But the question asks, at, at your level, so as teachers, how do you continue to learn and grow? And does that ever include uh, practicing other lineages of yoga? Which I think assumes that we all only practice awakening yoga, which I guess is a good chance to kind of conversate about whether or not that is all we practice. Yeah. Um, I practice a lot of other things, but not necessarily to learn, mainly a lot to experience. Mm. Um, I think that there's something to be said for allowing yourself to just be part of something as opposed to needing to benefit from it or to like gain or all of a sudden, mm -hmm. okay, I'm like I'm really advancing my knowledge. Like I do uh, a fair amount of pranayama practices and a fair amount of um, practices in the Katona yoga system. I don't really know if I'd consider it to be a lineage or not. Yeah. Like, cause I, I just I don't. I think system's a good word. Yeah. yeah I, I, just, mm -hmm. I just don't, the, all I'm saying is I don't really know what you would consider to be a lineage and what you wouldn't. Yeah. And you know, if someone's really a stickler for yoga, yoga history, I don't think what, what isn't, isn't a lineage is, is lineage very, is a really that's just a heavy, big like a, just a pretty a heavy big word. word. Like yeah. what constitutes, I mean, lineage is like your bloodline. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so I don't really know how that a hundred percent works when it comes exactly. to modern yoga. Um, yeah. But I, I love a lot of the stuff that they do in the uh, Katona yoga system. And then I also um, take cl classes from my friends mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, teach different styles and things like that. And, you know, every once in a while I'll do, maybe practices that I don't, I mean, when we travel all the time back in that reality, we take public class, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And so you're taking available. what's there and, right. and what's available or what's interesting to you. And I think that, um, you know, like pranayama, different pranayama practices, um, Katona yoga, and then I studied a bit of shadow yoga. And so mm -hmm. those would probably be the three things that I say mm -hmm. I would do the most of currently yeah. and right. over the last bit of time. What about you guys? Uh, I would say when I very very first started it was a lot of some of the more uh like hot 26 so mm -hmm. i did like bikram was like kind of the first few ones that i took um but i feel like for me i'm still figuring out this thing called life so <laughs> i ex i explore anything yeah. all the time it's always revolving it changes sometimes it's more in the realm of yoga and sometimes it's more in the realm of movement or different things it helps me stay um creative i like to take things and see what other people are doing and not tie sometimes it's like if you say you do one of these practices or lineages then people automatically tie you into yeah. a big group of and i just don't want to be tied into anything so i just always try to keep my answers when it comes to that um, a little bit more broad because i don't think you should be able to dabble into anything and try different things mm -hmm. without feeling like uh you're I get. I guess sometimes when I took some of the other, uh, uh, like if I go in a class, and I feel doesn't matter necessarily what style of yoga. It's more so depending on like if I'm taking friends mm -hmm. or just the atmosphere, and so that's really what I look for is kind of more along the lines of those experiences too. So. Mm. So. I think one of the best things that ever happened to me from a yoga standpoint was living in London for three years. And I, um, my background in yoga comes from Bikram and then went going right into Baptiste power yoga, which were really good foundations and all of that good stuff. But those, the focus of both of those practices, at least when I was doing them, 
were very much, this is yoga. Hmm. And so when I went to London and couldn't really find, uh, I had long blown by Bikram just because you get so bored with it. No offense to Bikram <laughs> people out there, but it is boring. Um, is um, I all of a sudden was in the big city and exposed in one studio to Jiva Mukti, Dharma Mitra, uh, all different kinds of vinyasa and Iyengar in one studio and all like top notch, like world-class mm -hmm. teachers. So I would, it was just like going to graduate school in yoga and I just was open to all of it. In fact, when Patrick would come and both you guys, but when Patrick would come to visit, he'd go, you should be taking this Mark's class <laughs> every week. Yeah, he is, you know, Mark and, awesome. um, <laughs> And so it was really interesting because it just opened my mind up to the fact that there's lots of different ways to mm -hmm. practice. And then the next evolution for me, and I, I think that this will stay with me now, is um, in really tapping into the awakening yoga is the fact that it's truly about movement and connection. And it's what you, what kind of vibes with you mm -hmm. at that time. You need different things at different times. And um, that's what I love. Now, the thing I love to teach the most is yin. Um, I like teaching other things, but the thing that I feel like I have a real calling to teach is yin yoga. And um, uh, and again, I'm really happy that that came into my life. And, um, and it is, I think these different types of yoga come into your life if you're open and not so dogmatic about trying to master this and that mm -hmm. this is the real yoga. It's all the real yoga, mm -hmm. yeah. Do you think that um, part of the reason that Bikram and Baptiste at that time, because again, I don't, I don't know as much about what they're currently doing. I don't so know I would, what they're currently doing. So I also don't yeah, want to speak agreed. on it. And but that's why I don't want to speak yeah, badly yeah. at all. No, again, and, and not, not yeah. saying anything ill here either. Um, do you think that it's, part of the reason that they were so definitive about what was and wasn't yoga was just like American marketing. Could have been. I'm just merely asking. But like I have to tell you, I was so like focused on like trying to, again, I had this mindset that I think was so, that I think my opening, my mindset is what really helped. I wanted being very competitive like somebody <laughs> else I know. Um, I wanted to master this, right? Yeah. I wanted to master this. And so I was very focused on that. Mm -hmm. And so rather than, and I like really just bought into the whole thing that this is yoga. These, these 26 poses. Are <laughs> this is all, the whole <laughs> this thing. This is the whole thing. <laughs> and, um, and so once I realized, oh my God, this isn't the whole thing. There's no way in hell I'm ever going to master <laughs> all thing. of this. Yeah. And what, do, what feels good and what do I learn and what's challenging? Mm -hmm. it, I love my, I mean, I plan to practice until, you know, like you put me in the ground, but you know, um, <laughs> it's, it, so I'll be doing something. Some kind, <laughs> some kind of yoga. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, I really, that's not a, that's a very. Yeah. Uh, when, when I think about those styles are just like, yoga in general because it's kind of a spiritual art i love that you said the word master because i think that's what a lot of people think of when the mm -hmm. like no one no one hits the gym and is like you know what i'm gonna master bench press <laughs> yeah like you know i'm gonna saying? be the the number the, one uh, bench press no, but, but not even the number one because no, like, I'm, I'm, ma I'm gonna master bench you know yeah. what i'm saying no one says that like oh i'm gonna go master bench press uh, or master squat or mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying uh, they 
but with yoga, people always use the word, oh, I want to master this mm-hmm. pose or master this practice. And I think it's a really interesting thought process because um, while you always want to continue to improve, um, trying to master something so limited or something so small is, is so limiting. And yoga is actually, in my opinion, the opposite of that. It's very liberating. Mm-hmm. And so it's very interesting that many people, I mean, and I've been in this space as well, um, and probably go into the, in and out of this space, to be perfectly honest with you. But the, the, one of the things I think about all the time is like one of the keys to, to liberating yourself is allowing yourself to find freedom. And one of the easiest ways to, to allow yourself to find freedom is to have awareness to the things that, that bring limitation into your life. Mm-hmm. And when you're trying to master something so specific, and we say this all the time in training, um, but growth comes from limitation. And so if you want to grow into something, you need to limit your focus, limit your scope so that you can actually grow. But if you stay in that path for so long because you want to master something, all of a sudden you've actually moved yourself out of a path of liberation. You've only moved yourself into a space of true connection to one thing, which I think is just really interesting. Well, I think it's funny that the the idea that we should be able to master things also, right? This idea that we enter a vast practice and we're like, mm, I'm going to I'm going to do all of this until there's nothing left to be done, which is funny in the idea of a lifelong practice and you're like, well, why would I want to master it? Like, why wouldn't I want to keep exploring and that different approach to it? But maybe that's also like a western like eurocentric view of wanting to master things and own it. Yeah, I I, I think it's I wonder if it's that or if it's human. I mean, again, yeah. not, not trying to be right or wrong, just just pondering, I guess, because I think that when you, whatever path you begin to walk down, whether it's yoga or any other form of physical movement or any other thing that you're trying to learn, there's a certain amount of knowledge required in order to do the practice. Like, for example, sure. I'm pretending to learn how to play the guitar right now, right? <laughs> it's, it's definitely pretending, okay? And... The reason I say pretending is because what I can do well is learn the scales or the strumming patterns. Mm -hmm. Like I can figure that out, right? Like my hands and my mind can create the connection to play the scale, right? I have no fucking idea what the scale means. I have no idea what (laughs) scale it is, but I can go through the scales. I can do the seven scales that I know off the top of my head, pop, 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 pop. But the intellectualizing of what notes I'm actually playing is very challenging for Mm -hmm. me. And so there's a huge difference between me doing a scale, which I think at this point is currently just, it's it's actually what frustrates me about my, (laughs) that's why I say I'm pretending to play the guitar, is, I have a really hard time intellectualizing what I am doing mm-hmm. with the scale. Do you know what I'm saying? So, like, if I, th- the way that I'm, like, learning it through this online platform, I should know the guy's name off the top of my head, and I would recommend it because I think it's very well put together. It's a very thought-out program. Next episode, tune in, I will say his name, <laughs> just in case you're looking for an online guitar coach or a little program to do. Um, but it's very well put together. You, you know you learn a scale, you learn some chords in a strumming pattern, and then you kind of put it together, right? And like I can do A, step A, B, and C, but then like if I was to try to figure out how to do any of that on my own intuition, it's like no chance. This yeah, is, no it's free just, form. Yeah. Oh, completely no. It's not in the bag at all. Like I see Siege on there. He can just like, you know, have his own little fun. I'm like, man, I want to kind of get to that level. Can I have my own little fun with it? Um, and it, it's just, it, it 
for whatever reason, that's a, that's a computation that isn't just mm-hmm. quite there for me yet. And it's it's funny, I guess, mm-hmm. when I when I think about it, because it's it's the process of learning anything. Like you go to yoga classes every single day for a year, you know, maybe two. I mean, you, we can you can attest to this. Like, do you remember? Um, like we've been doing yoga for so long and and I you know was you know doing handstands and sun citations I didn't even know what sun citations were no do you know what I'm saying I I went to class and I did the things that were told to me to do Uh and but I but if you're like hey do uh sun citation b I would have been like no, I just knew that, like, Robbie taught this thing at the beginning of class that was kind of fast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we did this fast stuff at the beginning yeah. of class, and yeah. then I was warmed warm. it up. Like, that's yeah. literally, and yeah. then at a teach training, you're like, oh, that's yeah. a thing. Yeah. I have no and idea. That's and why I there's There's these phases, like, first you do, and then you learn, mm-hmm. and then you learn how it applies to you. And, yeah. then, like, that's, those are, like, the first three steps, I find, to really learning anything, mm-hmm. right? You, like, you just start doing it, you know what yep. I'm saying? And then you kind of figure out the way you're going to do it because yes. there's, like, certain you know like I, I say this all the time but I remember doing triangle pose back in the day and like the whole from you know the essentially the base of my heel to my big toe was off the floor when I tried <laughs> to straighten my right leg um because that, that again back at that time my right foot was injured as well um and so it it's just funny to me to uh, now that we're in this educational phase of things where we share a lot of the practice and, you know, how to learn about it, how to teach about it, and we're constantly trying to improve upon, you know, how we're sharing this information, how do we make it more digestible and more mm-hmm. understandable for people. And um, and you, and then I come into my guitar and I'm like, oh, I wonder if we're going too fast. Do you know what I'm saying? Because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, 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 because it's not... This is good for him it's good it's such a perspective when you've already yeah. are along that master it path you know what yeah. I mean like you've been working yes. you're you're past the like imitation phase not you specifically but like colloquially. no yeah. like, completely you like you get past the imitation phase because at first you're just looking around and you're like okay do that thing okay try to do that thing you put a picture in your head you try to do it but once you get past that it's hard to go back and remember what it's like to be in the mm-hmm. imitation phase mm-hmm. until you try something new and you realize that it's actually quite hard to imitate things and to yeah. get through that first barrier of learning well, completely I think this also taps into what we were talking about last week as well which was um, public class in person is a feeling mm-hmm. with people in the room it's a feeling it's a vibe mm-hmm. it's an energy if you're going to take a poll of people when they walk out of class, like, hey, what was in the sequence? They'll probably just say Warrior Two because it was probably in the <laughs> sequence. You know what I'm saying? But there's not a real connection to intellectually what happened unless somebody is already, that's where they are in their, in process. their process. But yeah. most people are there for the experience, for the joy of it. And I think that's. It's it's really wonderful. It, it reminds me of I don't know when you see Harvey get on the swing for the first time and she you do the boost and she, which is just pushing and she <laughs> <laughs> with a creative uh, turn yeah, yeah the, the, the big boosty the yeah. big boosty or the nutmeg boosty which is when you grab her feet and pull her and then she flies backwards <laughs> and thinks it's the best thing ever um, and then she'll start calling herself nutmeg for the rest of the day which is also a joy in and of itself but uh, um, that there's the joy of that beginning of mm-hmm. something that it's almost as if you're always trying to f- continue to find that again and again and yeah. again and again. And I think that's one of the things that's so cool about 
going into looking at different types of practices. Mm -hmm. And and that's kind of what I said in the beginning, um, and I'll stop ball hogging, but uh, wh whereas I, a lot of times I go to just experience something. Like I'm not, I'm not in there to intellectualize what happened or to learn. I'm just there to experience because I want the, the experience of what those moments felt like, those joyful, simpler mm -hmm. moments. You know, and, and to always be able to refine those in as many facets of life as possible, I think is yeah. uh, so wonderful. And I think that one of the beautiful things about yoga, um, even elaborating on your point, Kim, which is just that, you know, at first you think it's 26 poses or you think it's the practices taught by your favorite teacher at the mm -hmm. studio down the street or on Zoom or online, commune online, of course, be mm -hmm. part of that crew. Um, but then over time, it, it evolves and you'll always have those spaces and you can always come back to those experiences for what you want them to be but these new experiences can remind you and bring new life into those old experiences and bring back that joy and, and can continuously allow you to access it as frequently as possible I like that I mean I just think that there's something to be said for just continuing to practice to, for like whatever practice shows yeah. up in front of you or whatever practice you have available because there's so much dogma around what is yoga, who's teaching it, what style, what lineage, which, you know, if you're in an earlier phase of the practice, you maybe have no acknowledgement that there's dogma around it, but just like anything there is. Um, so it's easy to get caught up that and forget about just like the, the in theory joy of practice and being able to just get on your mat and accept whatever yoga shows up. Like I, for me, I obviously like to explore other lineages when the opportunity arises, but I just more so like want to go to practice like go I you know just go to a class and take class because something about the practice of yoga leaves me feeling better than I did before so it's like I don't really care so much mm -hmm. and and sometimes you know yoga is expensive too so it's like sometimes I go to a drop-in and I'm like I don't care I'll take anything and partway through I might be like mm, I don't know if I like this but by the end of it I'm like that's fine yeah. you know what I mean like I'm happy I practiced in it and so there's something interesting about uh I think obviously I like to learn and so I like the idea of like going and learning things about different styles but it is just so nice to be like I'm just gonna take a forest class and mm -hmm. like do something like yeah. and do whatever shows up instead of doing what I always do because like when left to your own devices I don't do that much different stuff <laughs> like if yeah. I'm just you know always doing my own thing it's nice to just have fresh insight and fresh perspective no matter what lineage it comes from did either of you ever take her when she was wearing the the tiger onesie yes. on forest yes. oh yeah yeah yeah. i have well, i did a 21 day intensive with her i forgot to mention that with forest yeah. too yeah. that was well number one she's my age yeah and her practice is insane and just watching her do her thing mm -hmm. and the other thing that was so interesting with her was um uh, with on a forest is the um the trauma that she helps people mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. i mean it's very mm -hmm. much if you know different people relate to different things but she was um that practice was amazing it wasn't the right fit for me mm -hmm. but i loved I think it's cool to see the power of it for people and so you can see the right. value in it so even if Absolutely. something's not for you you can easily <clears throat> respect it because you see Absolutely. how much it means to other mm -hmm. people and that's I completely the other agree thing. That. if i had more time right now i would um be uh, you know exploring katoni yoga because yeah. i think there's a lot of that that i would i love all the crazy stuff <laughs> that, you know, this means that and 
this means that and all that. But um, uh, but I have to tell you, I, I mean, right now in order, I just feel like I'm having such a great experience. M my mind is from going through the process of really moving into teaching mm -hmm. more and doing um, and practicing regularly. I mean, I actually, like, like, we were talking about this the other day. Like, I wake up dreaming yoga poses. <laughs> Teaching right in your sleep. And it's insane, you know. But again, but I think what I love is not that, not necessarily repetitious, but, oh, the body can do that. And if it does that, then this. And it's just, it's a wonderful way of, even if you decide to do a teacher training and not teach, because I didn't teach publicly for a long time. I did a teacher training 12 years ago or something. But um, it, it just gives you a different depth mm -hmm. and lets you like really um, intellectualize if you want, but I think even appreciate the practice at a deeper level. At least I have. I love it. I mean, it is open. As much as I love the awakening yoga practice, it's just, it's one facet. Oh, and mm -hmm. even the awakening yoga world, like I don't, I think awakening yoga is a system that mm -hmm. is built upon other systems that are built upon lineages mm -hmm. that are built upon long-standing practices and not so long-standing yeah. practices. You know what I mean? That it's like, it's an approach to something, but all of it is based off of at the beginning, at the root of it, Patrick and I's experience in other lineages, mm -hmm. right? Like some of it's reactionary, some of it is building upon, some of it is fresh, some well, of it is... Well, I think anything that's created is, is, is reactionary is, is, in some is, 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 There's an aim to it. Yeah. It's, it's reactionary, of course, but I think there's an aim to any, no matter what it is, like you're, if you're creating something, you're trying to accomplish something. Mm -hmm. And you're, whether that's presenting a story, whether that's writing a book, whether that's writing a play, whether that's making a song, whether that's writing a TPS report, <laughs> um, you know, whatever it is, you're trying to create, to, to accomplish something. And uh, I think that the goal of awakening yoga at the base, the most baseline level is to turn repetition into ritual. Right, and so that that's the that's the foundational aim of and li literally everything we are trying to do. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, with that, it, give, it we're looking at things that have been done previously, mm -hmm. and we're saying, well, for ninety-seven percent of bodies, that will never be anything but repetition mm -hmm. for what they're capable of doing. Yeah. So, how do we take this and actually make it? allowed to be a ritualistic thing for somebody how for can that person for, for that, that person, person. Yeah, yeah for and that what person. that looks like for that person and that yeah. person might yeah. be different but how do we like how, how do how we widen do, the scope and how are we doing how we, how can we get 50 70 150 people in the same room together doing relatively the, the same, same right. thing but ritual for but each still of them ritualistically for each mm -hmm. person yep. and uh -huh. so i think that Again, that's our aim. That's mm -hmm. what we are actively trying to do. And there's so many other components that come into it and other facets and other filters. Um, but the opportunity to, again, that's why we called it awakening, right? Because you're trying to just turn yourself on, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so we really believe and hope that, you know, that awakening yoga obviously continues to grow and continues to develop, but also that it, it is a launching pad into many other facets of uh, exploration, whether that yeah. be through yoga or other creativity. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, when you begin to find more mindfulness and more awareness in yourself, all of a sudden that those doors begin to open up because you begin to get clear about 
what you want to do because you're not just doing something um, just to do it. I think we were actually talking about this in a podcast for our teacher training people um, earlier. And we were saying, you know, for, for you right now, we were talking about your mobility, right? Oh, and, yeah. and we were saying like how you, um, for one, since Harvey, your, you know, your hip mobility is silly. And so, um, and your range of motion is, you know, silly. Yes. Is it too, too, you know, too it's very, it's changes very, it's very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just, you but, know, the body changes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but with that, and, and the fact that we're doing a lot of education, both mm -hmm. for ourselves and sharing educational um, trainings, you know, we've done a, a fair amount of trainings recently, there is this need for the, like you love doing the Peloton, right? Mm -hmm. And it's because it doesn't require the in the creative intellectual side of things it just allows you to just do yeah to like to just you, you shut it off yeah shut it off for a little bit mm -hmm. exactly and sweat and yeah. sweat oh i just miss a sweaty class I, that sounds so weird but like i really miss a, why you know, is that weird i don't know I just sometimes i think it's funny that we are so entrenched in this that like in, in a non-covid world we all walk around a room with a hundred sweaty people mm -hmm. and potentially like interact with oh, other people's em. sweat You're touch them like most if most people, even in a pre-yoga world, like you're Siege not, starts te teaching with the shirt on, maybe halfway through the shirt's gone. I keep a shirt on at commune. How much do you interact I, with sweaty I keep it on, people? I keep it on. Like you don't touch Sometimes. other sweaty people in regular life. That's not a normal thing to touch someone who's super sweaty when they're running down the street. But like we do that, and I viscerally miss like a really sweaty class, especially because this studio gets very sweaty mm -hmm. um but i miss that and i think that like the peloton the peloton the other side of it you're like oh i can actually just like sweat and mm -hmm. get in the zone a little bit mm -hmm. that thing that that uh is is tougher to recreate online but peloton does a good job <laughs> i think so i think this rolls right into the next question which is about how do you stay motivated to teach and how do you stay motivated to practice? Like, how do you continue to get on your mat to teach? How do you stay fresh and interested in what you're teaching? And some of that is exactly what everyone's already talked about, which is finding other avenues of practice or just continuing to practice. But how do you stay motivated to do that, both to practice and to teach? I just love it. So that's such a simple. I know you're an easy one on that. Uh, yeah, it's not that deep. You don't need that much motivation. I, d I really don't. Like, I'm, I'm actively happy to do it every single day. Like, See, you're like, the same, I'm huh? the same, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, it may not be on my mat. It may not be like in a in a room or on wood floors. Mm -hmm. But I'm doing something, whether it's uh, finding my own movement or openings. Or uh, I'm with you on that. It's just there's always something that I could be doing that, <laughs> that and it just feels good once yeah. you keep keep it going, and once you start allowing your body to move in these ways and finding the repetition, it's almost like I got to keep it going mm -hmm. to continue to feel the way that I want to feel. Don't you feel though too with, I think we're similar in this regard, um, that in, in the world of, things being normal and open mm -hmm. like you just like to go out there and teach a class like like I you do. would you would just do it every day like it's not it's a it, i like per, it's not a performance but i enjoy engaging with people yeah. I, yeah. I i love creating um sequencing i love i love teaching people and i like being myself i like i'm an experience it just is mm -hmm. what it is i love what i offer but you're also coming for me as a like yeah. i'm gonna offer what i offer and um 
you're coming for that as well. So it's cool to, and I say this because I've been to a lot of lineages and different style of classes or practices that I absolutely fucking hated, and it had nothing to do with the lineage. Yeah. It yeah. had everything to do with the teacher and how it was yeah. and presented. Yeah. And so it's one of those things to where I always want to bring people into a safe space, and I, I tell myself that when I practice on my mm-hmm. own too, safe, soothe, supported, um, and what I'm about to do. So I think that's just as important as finding a, a practice that suits you is also finding people that you enjoy learning mm-hmm. from because that can completely change your focus and practice. I didn't find a good, I, like a good teacher for like a couple of years after I started because mm-hmm. I just couldn't find one that I clicked with until finally, um, yeah, I did. I think that's so important. It's so easy to be to think about the specifics of a practice and why you did or didn't like it when so much has to do with just did the teacher resonate with you was there something about them that made you feel at home or comfortable or Mm -hmm. like you wanted to come back or like they motivated you um so it's interesting to think about when you're the teacher you're like what do i do that motivates Mm -hmm. people (laughs) what is it what is it that people come to me for what is it that people show up to class for and and i think how you describe your teaching is exactly how I interpret it from a student, from a colleague, but also from like a, an owner who sees who walks in the door and shows up to your classes, which is people are also just like really stoked to spend an hour with CJ. Yep. You know what I mean? Like they're like, they want to do your class. They're open to whatever you throw at them. Mm-hmm. And they're just like happy to practice. Yeah, and those had, are the coolest We've had to wedge students. people in here before. We have. <laughs> you <laughs> get two more in. <laughs> Someday soon. I learned from him. (laughs) There's room. There's room. It's fine. You can make the whole floor one mat. It's just part of the vibe sometimes. If everyone could move just an inch to the left. This is a funny debate we always have in this this studio, and of course, all the members can attest to it. But when Siege and I teach, the the, the front row can hold a few more mats, you know, than maybe it is for Carl. Oh, yeah. I always put my mat on. I'm like, well, I want a place to sit. No. I usually, if I ever did put my mat out, if I was feeling selfish and I wanted to maybe flow along with the people and it was a bigger class, I'd have students like note that that was my mat. No, like, you can just d- move no it. They, they'd put it back. They'd hang it on the, <laughs> they would hang it on the bars. I know a couple students who did. They're like, oh, hey, CJ, yeah, I put your mat up there. Just yeah, you know. I took your spot. Cool. All right, no problem. <laughs> I, do, I miss hanging from the, hanging from the bars from like the Captain bars Jack the yeah. and, and teaching class. Oh this is part God. of the vibe. Oh it's, it's a fun time. But no, I, I think there's, there's something really to be said um, – you know, uh, for one, what you're elaborating on about like the comfort of being yourself in front of people, but also just like the the joy you have with sharing the cl- the mm-hmm. practice, and I, I think that's something that we really, you know, that's very similar between mm-hmm. the both of us. Um, is just that it's there's not a lot of complexity or preparation needed to go out there and just do it. No, you know, it's just kind of like uh, it, it's like an experienced stand-up comedian in a lot of ways. Like, oh, you know. You just kind of show up and you say, hey, you're going on in 20. Like, yeah, all right. Let's cool. Just, let's, just, let's just do it. Let's just see what yeah. happens. It's so true. Either of you, if anything, is like, I need someone to teach this class. Sure, whatever. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Like, either of you would at the drop of the hat will just teach the class. Mm-hmm. I am staunchly on the other end of the spectrum, <laughs> uh, as anyone here can attest to. But that, you know, a, a last-minute sub for me used to be so panic-inducing where I'd be like, oh, God, I don't have a class planned. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Whereas... Either of you have like, a totally experienced teacher. Yeah, like yeah. I, it would all be fine once yeah. I got going, but the moments before it was always a little bit like, okay, now I'm sweating. Whereas either of you would be like, hey, so and so can't make it for the 9 p.m. yin. And you're like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I got it. I remember, I remember it wasn't here, I promise. But I was, <laughs> I was teaching at, I was teaching at another, so I had to clarify that. I was teaching at another spot, or not teaching, I was taking, mm. I was teaching 
uh, I just got done teaching and there was a little bit of break and I wanted to stay after and take the next class. So I step out and I, you know, had a little edible. And, uh, <laughs> and so like, again, I had to clarify it wasn't here. Uh, and, uh, and I was done anyways. So I got done teaching. I'm ready off. to take a class. I'm off. You know, don't judge me. Uh, I was, uh, I was ready to take a class and the teacher didn't show up. And so I had to still teach. Why and I was like, I'm like, okay. okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't really announce these, these, these places. Oh, <laughs> you know, okay. Here we go. How did uh, class go? I think well. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing, though. I think I Is offered, that one of the ones where you accidentally stayed in frog pose for like 15 minutes, though? That no, that was th those were uh, if I fell asleep during some of the yin classes. If I, They're I long holds. That. They are long holds. I remember you had that. You had that Sunday morning. You had that Sunday morning yin class. That, that, uh, that grind. Yeah, no, that, that yeah. Well, time is who knows what time is anymore. Yeah. But yeah, no, I te I teach eight a.m. on Sundays, um, and then I'd go to uh, teach a ninety-minute yin class, and sometimes. That, that, that yin <laughs> class gets a little bit tiring. Uh, 90 minute yin is hard to stay focused. I had, it, I mean, it's good. It's, it's a great class. You feel great. I have to have a, I have to have, I had to have a phone mm -hmm. and I had to have a timer mm -hmm. and it, the timer's on a buzz and it buzzes me yeah. because I just, it is mm -hmm. so tough for me to count breaths. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that is interesting to me about motivation is, um, being able to continue to practice. Mm -hmm. See, that's the thing that what I have to do in my own life now, especially since the little grandbabies have come into the world and I want to see them, is, uh, is uh, I have to have on my schedule when I'm yeah. going to take, especially at home, because it's so easy to go, oh, I'm going to do this first. No, put on your schedule, okay? Even if you don't do it, you're more likely to do it if you've got Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm gonna practice at uh, 7.30 or eight o'clock mm -hmm. in the morning or three o'clock in the afternoon and it's on your calendar and you go do it. Um, because if I don't do that, I, I love, this is a, a plug for a commune online. It is a lot of inspiration for different things I add to my classes because teaching the gentle flow and the gentle strength. There's quite a bit of repetition in those mm -hmm. classes so that people can feel like they can understand and what's yeah. going on in their own body. But I always try and throw a little something extra in each class. And many of those extra things come from taking one of your guys' classes. So we have so much to offer out there. It's like, I wish I could take everything. Yeah. But there's just not enough time in the day. And so, but at the end of the day, I try and move through our schedule mm -hmm. and just get that feel and that vibe for what, what people are doing and what they have to offer. And like both, well, all you guys taking your classes in person, uh, you get pushed to a point where you're like, hell, I didn't even know I could do that. <laughs> That's the aim. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta see what happens. Let's see, yeah. You know, throw yourself out there. Yeah. See how see how so. it comes out the other side. There's a process to everything. It's, but it's, I don't know about you guys. Is that the like I gotta I like to practice well, in order that I feel like I can be more motivated teaching. Yeah, I think we were just having this conversation, well, I don't know, today, yesterday, Sunday, about trying to figure out how to continue to find time to practice, not just practice, but like in life to do things that are 
equally as exploratory, like equal time on exploration and just like honest curiosity as opposed to things that are also always coupled with productivity. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of times I think once teaching is not, or yoga is not just your passion, but also something that you do in some capacity. It's easy to look at practice, at least for me, as less of something that, oh, I'm practicing and exploring instead of like, oh, I'm also learning. Oh, I'm mm -hmm. also looking for something to teach this week. I'm looking for inspiration. Like I'm all, I, mm -hmm. it's easy to get caught, at least for me, caught up in this kind of like multitasking. Well, whatever I'm doing should also be productive. I should also be planning my classes for this week. Yeah, I want to practice, but also, oh, maybe I also want something fresh to teach and things like that. So uh, I've been trying to think of my movement time as genuine curiosity and a want to move instead of just, well, I should move. Oh, like sure. I'm such a to-do list person, even if it's a joke with a toddler to have a to-do list, <laughs> like it is, but it's soothing to me to write it, even if it means nothing. But like that practice can, it's easy for it to become something on my list mm -hmm. instead of something I wanted to do or something that I wanted to explore. I feel I don't, I don't ever want to get wrapped too wrapped up or I'm trying not to get too wrapped up and also making it productive, mm -hmm. like also mm -hmm. an important part of what I'm doing instead of just something that I genuinely want to do, I'm trying to make sure it stays exploratory. I think because my practice is so exploratory mm -hmm. and it's so consistent that um, that's, I think that's why teaching is so easy for me. Yeah, you're good at, you're really good at creating space for that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's always been a priority for you to like. I also just don't really complicate it that much. Like, I think that the, I don't need much, I mean, I'm so used to practicing in a hotel room floor, mm -hmm. in a hallway, you know, like in random, random spots. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't need a perfect space yeah. that needs to be separate from my living room or from my kitchen. I mean, like, like talk about all the time, like the first people I ever taught was in the kitchen of a tiny little apartment. Like I just don't, I don't need a lot. Mm -hmm. And so um, that allows me to really practice anywhere. And I think that's one of the things I love the most about yoga in general is just that you don't, there's such a low requirement on what you need to, to improve or to get something in. And I think that really ties back to you know, when I was a kid playing basketball and stuff is that one of the things I loved about basketball is all you needed was the ball. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you didn't, you didn't need, if you had a hoop, great, but like there's so many things you could do to get better just with the ball. Mm -hmm. And that was, um, you see that little move? Yeah. I know. Little little <laughs> right, yeah, there. Little right there. But, but no, like I, again, um, I just remember, and it was, it was probably so obnoxious and it's funny that you're here for me to actually say this, but, uh, uh, I just remember when I was growing up and on like cold days at night, I would go like night. Like, I don't know how they didn't come down and just like shoot me or something, but um, to, to just tell me to go to bed. But I would like dribble in the garage for hours, how, like just how, how hours. Late, late, <laughs> late, late, late. And I would just, but that's all like it was, it was therapeutic for me in so many ways. Um, but, but I didn't, you know, I didn't need more than that. I didn't need to go outside. Mm -hmm. I didn't need for it to be, you know, some perfect scenario situation. It could just be what it was. Mm -hmm. And I think some part of me has always, you know, thrived in those little types of environments. And, and it, I think that it's, you know, continued, you know, throughout my life, I guess. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, questions I have. What else do I have here for us today? Um, I actually have a much more logistical question. Are we okay to talk about some asana? Let's do it. Okay. So when it comes to inversions, how do you figure out how to fall out of inversions safely? How do you learn how to fall out of them 
without getting hurt. For I'm, one, plan to not fall. Uh, in theory, never fall. <laughs> uh, I, I do think that's a big part of the mindset. And yeah. so while it's, it's kind of like a cop-out answer, it also is an answer and it's a, it's a change and a shift in your mindset that you have to begin to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that a, um, a actual hand balance coach told me one time, like a long, long time ago, which was, which is essentially like, we don't, we don't practice to fall. Mm-hmm. We practice to go up and come down the same way. You, you know, know what I'm saying? I remember, and maybe you're talking about the same thing that I, or the same instance, but I remember a hand balance acro yoga person saying that at a workshop I took at, at a Wanderlust festival years and years different. ago. Different. Different one. Okay, you remember what I'm talking about. I won't say any names. But they, and they said, someone asked, okay, well, how can I fall? And they said, just don't fall. Yeah. And then that was like the end of the conversation. And as yeah, a new I, hand balancer, a new yogi, I remember just being so dejected, like, well, I just shouldn't fall. Like, yeah. how do I, how I do I, I not I don't think fall? that's the best presentation of it. That's why no, I think there needs to be a nuance I, I like that. what you're saying. What I'm saying is I yes. agree with that. It's a mindset, yeah. mindset, not a, a reality. Because mm-hmm. the reality is you will fall, right? You don't make 100% of your shots. Exactly. But Neither does Steph Curry. <laughs> Neither does Steph Curry, right? <laughs> but the I- the <laughs> yeah, do you see that? It's wild. <laughs> but the idea that you have, uh, that you're not aiming to fall mm-hmm. is an important mindset, I think, when you're figuring out how to get upside down, is that you're not trying to go up and think, how do I not die as I fall? You're thinking, how do I go up and how do I stay here? So you're yes. employing tactics that are meant to keep you there, not meant to ease your fall. Exactly. I think that so many people build in their first focus when they're working on it mm-hmm. is, how am I going to get out of this? Which makes complete logical sense, yes. but it's not actually a thought process that's going to help you create progress. Mm -hmm. The thought process for progress is what am I going to do to stay where I'm at? You know what I mean? And it's, it's like kind of trying to be in a thriving mindset, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, but you have to acknowledge fear and you have to acknowledge your, your physical reality as well, which is you could have physical limitations to getting into an inversion, right? And so you need to embrace and address those things in order to make your approach to the posture more available. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, one of the things that we always talk about is um, solidifying your foundations and then everything moving to the same place at the same pace at the same time. Mm-hmm. So uh, when, you're mo- when you're going upside down, you want to make sure that you have the opportunity to let your shoulders move forward a bit. You want to make sure that you have the opportunity to let your hips move over your shoulders, right? You want to make sure you have the opportunity to get your feet on top of your hips. Like those three components need to move and stack one on top of the other in order for you to find some semblance of balance. Um, And so when you think about falling, you also want to acknowledge your natural predisposition. As um, you've told this story countless times, but the... Uh, and you could you could tell it now, but the way you learned to handstand was by falling into a wheel. Yeah, and and that's something that is physically available for this you. This is what I was gonna say because I was gonna ask CJ and Kim about mm-hmm. you know their experience wanting to fun because wanting to have one way that you should fall out of inversions that you can learn that's gonna make you suddenly feel safe isn't reality, right? Because our bodies all have different mechanical advantages. And so the way that you exit and you exit and you exit are all going to be slightly, if not quite a bit different than how I exit, because you're trying to work with both the structural body you have 
and whatever your brain is going to do in a little bit of fight or flight, mm -hmm. right? In that moment, you don't want to fight against what your body is trying to do to safely exit you out because generally your reactions are going to mostly be helpful. Uh, so figuring out, like for me, I tend to have uh, more space in my spine and my hips and my shoulders. So backbends have always been fairly available. So stepping over into a wheel wasn't that big of a range of motion stretch for me as opposed to if wheel is into your favorite pose, then stepping over into wheel as your exit strategy from handstand is probably not the right natural predisposition to be relying on yeah. or not the right exit strategy for you. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, and, and they also, not, you also need to acknowledge your aim for your mm -hmm. exit strategy. And what I mean by that is like, if you're interested in general handstanding, you know, you can have, there's a few different exit strategies you can work on and mm -hmm. you can learn, you know, there's stepping over into wheel, there's the cartwheel out and there's walking of your hands. Um, but if you're into very specific types of hand balancing, you do really have to work on the cartwheel exit yeah. um, because it is the only safe way to bail out. Uh, and so that, again, that, that's more if you're interested in like balancing on blocks and canes and different things of yeah. that nature. Um, but uh, yeah, no but, just, just that, yeah. leaving it there. Siege, how do you exit hands? Cartwheel. I was gonna think that if I, what you do. Cartwheel or I put my hand, but I, it was one of those, I never, I've never really had a fear. Mm -hmm. yeah. I've fallen, I don't, don't get me wrong, <laughs> and I've, I've fallen trying to wheel it for some reason, and I <laughs> land on my back. Uh, but I, that was during the grass, the grass practice Clear the way. Straight <laughs> up. Straight up. But then uh, I never had fear about it, and then I cartwheeling I is, for me, the easiest. It just feels natural mm -hmm. to go that way. To just twist. Well, I'm already twisting my hips anyway. So <laughs> <Are you going laughs> in my way? imbalance, so it's just a nice little carryover. So for me, I'm probably the only one here that doesn't do handstand in the middle of the room. But I'll tell you a couple of things that has helped other inversions um, Shirshasana and Pinchmayarasana and different kind of headstands, totally solid. And the thing that I find so interesting, it's something you said, Patrick, uh, is that you have to get totally comfortable in your base. Mm -hmm. Okay, that is the very first mm -hmm. thing. Because another thing that you said, Carling, was your fight or flight responses are going to be totally contrary to what you need to do to hold the pose. Mm -hmm. Because what you want being somebody who, quite frankly, doesn't handstand in the middle of the room, I, and when I work on it, I've got some really good solid handstands away from the wall, but with the wall there. But I won't give it what I need to give it in order to get shoulders, hips, whatever. I won't my body just won't let me do it but i am past the part and thank goodness where i now have the ability to really press down and straighten mm -hmm. up and get those shoulders where they need to be so for me that's huge progress so i may be another five years from being in the middle of the room what's nothing wrong with that mm -mm. i mean nothing. there's tons of yoga yeah. outside of that mm -hmm. and so i to your point am working on the components of it mm -hmm. And, um, and feeling super good about that base now, and now it's moving through those other parts. Now, when it comes to, you know, don't discount Shoshasana and Pincha, mm -hmm. because both of those, you have a bigger base, and why I'm not, I'm not scared at all. No, and all your Pincha is, is like, much more. your Pincha is like wildly solid. Yeah. Like I've and never you know, seen a bale so of Pincha. It's, but, but you know why it's solid is because 
I'm comfortable there. Yeah. yeah. And that's really what you, when we did the hand, you did the inversion workshop here at Commune when we were open as an in-person studio. Mm -hmm. It was so fun and so hard. Oh my goodness. But um, that's what, the thing I learned the most is you have to work on getting comfortable in your base. You guys all take that for granted now because you're so solid in your bases. But for those of us who are getting there, that is, the, if you don't have that and in that flight response, mm -hmm. if you're not pushing down more versus trying to get out yeah. of it, you are never getting there, baby. Because mm -hmm. yeah. you're flying all over the damn place. Yeah. No, and it if requires you're trying to, really to catch sit. it, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> if you're trying to catch it, forget it. you got to move into it not try and throw yourself up and yeah. go am i gonna get it yeah well I yeah, think it's, it's, it's not like a fly ball <laughs> yeah. it's yeah, not, it's not like, hit it's to the, the warning line. track and yeah. you're trying to yeah. save that home run yeah i just think it's also interesting too because there's so much emphasis on like wanting to handstand in the middle sure. of the room which i think is partially you know the people who show up to a handstand workshop potentially want to learn that yep. and there's value in it a lot of it i think is just like the personal empowerment of overcoming things that are hard and mm -hmm. doing so that was that your back that popped uh chest that was a good one <laughs> that was, like, that was a really good one <laughs> yeah. uh that, like there's all sorts of motivations for why you would want to learn to handstand sometimes you just get a goal and you want to do it mm -hmm. sometimes it's there's you want to get over a fear or whatever but it's certainly not necessary like if fear is a big part of you figuring out how to exit how to learn to handstand those kinds of things then all of those practices can still be done at the wall in mm -hmm. any capacity. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest benefit to learning how to do it in the middle of the room and exit is a lot of times just getting over the mental aspect yep. of it more than the physical because you're still doing a handstand. You can still hold. You can still do plenty of the practice at the wall. But doing it in the middle of the room, there is something interesting about like, oh, oh, my God, it's working. Oh, my God, here I am mm -hmm. that, that can be empowering, which I think is why a lot of Completely people, empowering. I think it's I think wonderful. I think it's why people get so uh, like – determined when it comes to yeah. I also think it's the most we talk about this all the time but I think it's the most available advanced post inversions or yeah. handstands handstand. specifically yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think mean, it's I think it's by far the most available it's just, it's just Tadasana upside down yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but in yes uh also though with that you so many people like stretch their hamstrings and they try mm -hmm. to get to the splits mm -hmm. and you know maybe you get there or maybe you don't mm -hmm. but you to make real flexibility gains, it's very minute mm -hmm. work. Um, and not saying a handstand isn't minute work, it definitely is, but there's uh, a level of excitement that's involved in it, mm -hmm. and there's a less of a natural predisposition yeah. required in order to get there. Like if you can have your hands above your shoulders, you can handstand. You can for some period of time with the help of a wall yes. or whatever, you can you can, you can handstand. experience handstand, which is something that is absolutely not the case with the majority of air quotes advanced yoga poses, yes. right? Putting both feet behind your head is something that has quite a bit to do with natural predisposition and skeletal structure and some degree with practice and some degree with training and things like that. Whereas inversions, like the range of motion required is, is relatively minimal. It's quite minimal. Right. In terms mm -hmm. yeah. of shoulder well, flexion. In fact, it kind of helps you when you, um, if you have too much m movement, too much flexibility, it makes it more challenging. It makes it more challenging mm -hmm. because yeah. you don't get the lift until you are your hips are way over. Oh, you got too many yeah. options too. You're yeah. like, should I be over here? Should I yeah. be over there? I mean, should I step in a wheel? Should I go? Should I, I fly know, off to the really left? Really <laughs> interesting. Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah. To make sure we answer the question though, the yes. best <laughs> things that you should do is yes. sure up your foundation. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. So spend time in those positions, your dolphin pose, your plank pose, what we call our introverted plank, getting into your flying integration, even practicing, um, if you notice in the navigation series, after splits, we do handstand on both sides. Like even if you don't jump for that handstand, but you go from the crouching position and then onto the tiptoes of one foot with the hands down, lifting the opposite leg and then going back down. So you just kind of get that pattern built into your body. It will be really helpful. Can and I bump you really quick? Yeah. Because I want to add to that. Please do. Being a handstand person, Person, a, a learning handstand person when I'm at home with my practice and this is one of the big benefits of being home I put my mat in the set or one of the practices where I know we're going to be doing a lot of step forwards yeah. against the wall and then that's when I can yeah. really get into flow mm -hmm. where I can feel that movement and um, and then yeah, that, and then, that's and awesome. Then do that and it because you have the confidence. I mean, strongly you know, recommend it. Mm -hmm. it was, I think it's no. I think I think it's one of the best things about home practice. Again, pe people actively fight for that front row spot and he's there. Oh, I know. So make sure they got the wall in front. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. This so, some people even come for the class before, just just to just to get in, just yeah, to just spot. to make sure they hold the down that wall spot. It's a hot commodity. It's a hot, it's a hot commodity. commodity. Yeah. But but seriously, when you're learning, the best the things you need to do is again solidify your foundation, refine your pattern, and then take take the time to get comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that, you know, I, I feel like we're, because we're in TT mode right now, I feel like I'm always saying, we say this all the time. Um, Maybe just, not you know, to you, but we say yeah, it. Yeah, like, I'm saying this all the time. <laughs> I don't know who's, he, who's hearing it, but I'm saying it. Uh, when you are handstanding or inverting in any way, if you are using the wall, use it as a resource. The wall is a resource to help hold you in that place. Mm -hmm. It is not a resource to help you with your balance, right? Balance is a skill you have to learn it. The wall is not going to help you learn balance because you are next to the wall and it's always going to support you. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, if you never move out of your parents' house, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you're eating all their food and they're not necessarily mad about it. Do you know what I mean? Like if they're okay with it, you're okay, okay with it. You know what I'm that's saying? That's kind of the wall relationship. <laughs> that's kind hey, of the wall. You're there. I'm here. Yeah. Let's hang out together. <laughs> you know like, I mean? yeah. like, it's nice that you're there for me. Yeah, I was like, oh, thanks. Like, oh, yeah. you, made, you made dinner tonight. So nice of you. And you're doing the dishes too. That's wonderful. <laughs> I'm here. I for need it. some laundry yeah. being folded. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're doing a load yeah. already? Oh, here's my stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there, there's a real truth. To, there's a real. Um, direct comparison there because again if you're trying to balance by the wall the wall is always going to take care of you well you're always balancing in relationship to the wall like yes. where am I in relationship to the wall how far am I you're looking at my hands are a foot away oh my foot can touch okay now I'll pull it off so yeah. you're never balancing in relation to yourself that's a great which point is exactly mm -hmm. how yeah. you have to balance in the middle of the room so right. like if if you are a person who can hands in the middle of the room, you can attest to how hard it is to then have to balance with a spotter or something like that. Because now you're you're working off of some other outside input. It, yep. It's nearly impossible. It's even if you're just doing tree pose and you happen to be near a wall, any balancing pose, you find yourself all of a sudden like, well, I don't usually fall over in tree, but now it's that like there's a wall. Pulling, it's like pulling you over there. Yeah, it's there. pulling yeah. you over there. So I think one thing too that helps you hone that is not getting hyper-focused on maybe handstand, but say you have a solid headstand practice, spending time reminding yourself what that balance mm -hmm. feels like yeah. it's a different literal foundation but the feeling of balance that kind of weird like lightness you know that bobblehead moment I when it's like it. It all of a sudden so it's good. easier than you think it should be that's usually when people panic because you're like this can't be right mm -hmm. <laughs> like there's no way it it's should like no you're like, actually doing it yeah. like, yeah, th th yeah. that's the thing that's that, that little is. special moment 
And in on either end of that is like effort and fluidity and experience mm -hmm. and stuff. But you can hone those skills, like the skill of balance elsewhere in your practice, even if you're not comfortable getting off the wall yet with your handstand practice. You can find that other places to keep it tapped in with your proprioception and with all of your awareness in your body. Yeah, and use the wall to help you hold for time. Yeah, because mm -hmm. you build strength. You build strength, but you also build familiarity and comfort. And when you're comfortable, when you're upside down, life becomes a lot easier. Mm -hmm. When you're uncomfortable and you're upside down, it's just not going to play. Yeah, so. agreed. Last question, what is it? Hey, I think that's our last question. That's the last question. We wrapped? Yeah, we wrapped. We, oh. That's that's all our questions for today. All right, y'all. Unless well, you have a super secret. I don't. We'll save that discussion <laughs> for another day. Hey, I will say on the handstands, last thing, uh, be honest with yourself with the time that you have putting forth practicing. Great. If you have you know, a little bit time once a week, well, give that time for your balance. If you're practicing every day, for a long period of time, you're probably going to get it a little bit quicker. So keep in mind your practice and effort plays in a part to how quickly you learn to be bouncing away from the wall. Yeah, I think that's a great, really a great point to finish on. Um, being consistent with your practice, whether that's a 10-minute routine every single day or uh, an hour routine, you know, four times a week, whatever it is, like just consistently When's showing up for When's the last time you it? haven't been on your hands? Year, a decade? Years? Uh, like I the outside of a surgery you probably did literal it. requirement uh, like One, unless you I was absolutely a, had to I'm just yeah saying, no just honestly you know, no honestly yeah probably probably a decade like it, it, um yeah no when we got in the scooter crash i couldn't be on my left hand but outside of that but outside my of, point is yeah, yeah, you're, yeah i was doing you're, it you're just doing it, it yeah yeah yeah, yeah it and just and it may maybe my focus isn't on handstand but i'm going to to touch a handstand or 10 every single day. Yeah. And that's 10 or 10. Yeah. That 10's a casual number. From somebody who's still working on it, too, you are, handstand, the elusive, <laughs> is I always keep in mind with inversions, the reason you're doing inversions is because they're fun. Yeah. yeah. They're fun Completely to agree. Do. And, and once you get that quote unquote handstand, Trust me, you're going to be working on the next thing. Uh -huh. So keep it fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I, I'm working on. Just no, working on it. That's, that's awesome. I mean, again, it's, it's all – handstand is only as important as it is to you. Yeah. You know, it's the same with any other post. And if it's important to you, you'll do it. And yeah. if it's not, you won't. Yeah. Like that's, you know. Some days it is. And some days it isn't. <laughs> all right, y'all. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, for listening. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. We hope you have an amazing rest of your week. Do we have anything exciting coming up on Commune Online this week? Any special Masterclass on um, Saturday. But for all of you listeners, because you'll be hearing this on Monday, it will be Shelby's Functional Freedom will be the next the Saturday. Next Saturday. Mm -hmm. yeah. So make sure to but check 90 that minute out. 90-minute Masterclass. 90-minute Masterclass Saturday. 93 minutes. Really? 93 <laughs> minutes. Right right it was like 33 or 9:33. <laughs> all right, all right. A 93 minute masterclass, and uh, yeah, I think that I think that's all the all the goods this week. More yeah. 30 minute classes coming your way. All the practice paths. Yeah. And then another podcast next week. Yeah. All right, y'all. Peace. <laughs>